Coming off another fun night at the Footprint Center, another double-digit Suns win, and we're right in the middle of another streak, so lots to get to. Celebrating this team, checking in as we get toward the stretch run, Aaron Edwards is here for his weekly check-in, and we'll dive into all of it on today's Locked on Suns. Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a contributor at suns.com, as well as Dime Magazine, and a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past five seasons. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen each and every day. Closing out the week here, getting ready for the Hawks game, uh, rumor mill heating up. Aaron Edwards is here from All Caps NBA for our weekly show together. Aaron, we met last night in person. We got to yeah. <laughs> uh, we got to enjoy halftime together a little bit. Um, how how was your experience at the foot? Um, it was fun. The last two times I watched them play opening night and the Heat game, we Ooh. lost pretty bad. So <laughs> it was fun finally getting to see a W after uh, a couple tries at it. See, I skipped that Heat game because I thought everybody was just hurt and it was going to be like boring and weird and one of those like covid games and then it ended up that i missed a complete beatdown so i did not regret my decision to leave (laughs) at all or or skip it at all but um yeah i mean the suns gave us a nice show as they have been lately uh double digit win 121 111 i gave some like nuts and bolts thoughts some instant reactions last night but it was a big enough game that i think it's worth circling back on i have a question for you first though um What's your routine? Because you you do go, I mean, you went to some games last year. You've been to some games this year. You're obviously a Suns fan. What's your what's your game day routine? Are you like, I always got to have a drink in my hand? Are you like, I'm enjoying the game sober? Are you like, everybody shut up and let's watch the game? Or is it hanging out? Like, what's the vibe for an Aaron Edwards Suns game? Um, the Heat game I was doing dry January, and that was my first time not drinking at a game. And so it was one of those games where I wish I was drinking <laughs> yeah, exactly. because they were just getting killed. But, like, usually um, we usually go to a bar before, and then we'll have a drink, and then we'll just meet at the stadium. And, yeah, we'll just, like, hang out and have drinks and buy each other rounds and just have a good time at the games, especially now that we're good. Well, before when we were bad, it was just like a hang and you end up having conversations with people and not really watching because that team was putting um, just a bad squad out there. But now it's just like fun. Everybody around is fun and drinking and just having a good time. So it's like such just a different vibe. They've made it extremely easy to get drunk at the arena now as well. It's so there easy. are bars <laughs> everywhere, and I actually, so the only time that I've been to a game since the renovations was with my little sister. I don't go to games like that, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. I could, I guess, but I'm, there's always part of me where I'm like, do I really want to spend money on something that I don't have to spend money on, so I don't end up yeah. going, but I just walk around that place. It's like, obviously, the huge one right in that front area. There's a, yeah, the right one on the corner in. where, like, the ESPN people were. During the, yeah. the playoffs, there's another one right below me. Then the media section during like the busy games is up on the FN vodka lounge. I actually don't think it's FN anymore, yeah. but whatever it is, that has a huge bar that spans like the entirety of the like suite level. <laughs> and I guess that's the way arenas are going, but it's it's wild. 
Yeah, we were right next to the main one. So, like, it was easy. It was just like, all right, I'll go get another one because we can see it from where we're sitting. And, like, we were sitting right on the road, too. So we could just walk right over. And they're like, you guys want another one? And it was just almost too easy to have too many drinks at the games now. <laughs> it was. It is. Uh, okay, let's talk about this game a little bit. 22 for Harden, 26 for Kyrie. Those guys were at least getting inside a lot of the night. Harden didn't really have his yeah. shot going in so much. That's been a trend for him, obviously, this year. Um, but then you had Mikhail and and Chris and, and Book really picking up the slack on the other side, just turning defense into offense, kind of doing their thing. And I think talent really just won out like the Suns have, have had all year. Um but what do you what do you take away from this game? Like, are the Nets a team that you worry about in general? Like, obviously no KD in this one, but did last night kind of reinforce like, hey, they can still hang with us even though it's not, you know, Durant's not in there? Or, or is this, you know, like, okay, a 10-point win, like bring on somebody better? Like, how are you feeling? Oh, you're, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely worried about them. They still have two dudes that can or three dudes that can go for 40 whenever they want and like my only thing the only knock on them is like the other guys like yeah patty mills can get hot but they are just god awful on defense yeah. and we make you move a lot yeah. <laughs> and like they tried yesterday they tried to hide people on mikhail bridges but he'll just cut you to death <laughs> and people don't realize that until he's in front of you that the second you turn your head he's out of there so i just think like defensive wise they're just a liability and that's how milwaukee kind of got them too yeah. but on offense they were getting into they were getting inside a lot and they had like three alley-oops in a row and we kind of were struggling where they're pick and roll a lot yesterday. And so, like, that's probably my biggest thing is they have two guys that can get to the lane whenever they want. Like, even on our great defense, like, just in general, they can get to the lane whenever they want. And that would just be a problem in the playoffs. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more, actually, in the next segment about kind of what the weaknesses are for this team, like, if there are still any, because it seems like we're finally, I guess you have to win double-digit games if you're the Suns for, like, the conversation, quote-unquote, to pick up on you, and, and we're getting that now. Yeah. Like, they're on NBA Today <laughs> getting, you know, the Zach Lowe essay treatment and whatnot, but, um, <laughs> and and it's all, like, very positive. So I don't want to go fully negative, but I do want to kind of poke holes in it a little bit and just, you know, level set. But as it pertains to the, to the Nets specifically, yeah, I mean, I think you're completely right because... They didn't have, you know, Joe Harris, who I, I don't really know what to expect from him, but he is like the yeah. most accomplished shooter that they have. And they're making do with like Kessler Edwards and Patty Mills, who are smaller or younger or whatever, not quite as ideal a yeah. fit as, as Harris is. And it feels like they're one big man away. I mean, if KD can stay healthy and every all three of them can actually play games because Claxton, like he was actually surprising me a bit with, I think of him as more of like an athlete and he can switch and, you know, in college he could hit threes from time to time and whatever, but his screening was really good. Like he was a big part of why the guys were getting downhill was him just like bodying yeah. people, Bridges and, and, and Book and Chris on those screens and actually allowing Irving and Harden to turn the corner. That really surprised me. And, and Blake just wasn't doing it in the same way. He was kind of popping out to three and I just yeah. don't think physically like he has it anymore. So if they can get one more guy, maybe not exactly like Claxton, but just another big center who can play physically and still kind of be versatile the way that they want to like, yeah, I, I think it's completely right to be worried. I mean, this, 
They're 29 and 21, but they got hit by COVID as bad as anybody, and Kyrie didn't even yeah. start playing until like a month ago. So I, I think we should be worried about them. Yeah, definitely. Like, and they can still get better. And like you said, like if they are one big away, and they don't even need them to score, they just need like a productive big that that is bouncy. Like they just need like a bouncy big, and they would be like a really big problem. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about uh, not only some holes that the Suns might have, but kind of picking up on this conversation a little bit more, like who actually can punish them because they haven't really struggled with anybody. I was counting through with another media member yesterday, like the real games where they've been tested and we, we got to like maybe five. So it's just been hard to yeah. see it this year, but let's talk a little bit about it. See what we can come up with here. First though, bet online is the exclusive newly announced exclusive sports betting partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. They also have a new name. So betonline.net has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues through the Super Bowl. Maybe you like to bet on the Pro Bowl. I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe that's you. Betonline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. That's right. They have content as well, not just the odds and the lines and everything else, but you can go there to get info to make smarter decisions. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, the NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new offers going on over at BetOnline throughout 2022. BetOnline, where the game starts. Alrighty, so talked a little bit about the Nets and just their team in general, but I think it's one of the things that I came away from that game thinking about, Aaron, is is what they can do to you exclusive to them or is it actually something where it's like a weakness of the Suns? Like, is it just a strength of theirs or, or a weakness of the Suns? And obviously there's not a lot of teams that can really put three guys out there that can score. That's the whole reason they built the team that way. The, the Bucks yeah. kind of did that, you know, like... They, they got just enough out of Drew Holiday to, to make it look like they had three legitimate creators yeah. like that. But are there are there other teams besides those two who really pose that issue? Because the Suns don't have the defenders to match up with that. But also, there's just not a lot of teams in the NBA that can make you adjust like that. Yeah, and that was like... And the other part of it, of it was, um, like, Bridges is going to always get just the bigger threat, so he's probably going to end up guarding Harden if it ever came to that in like a playoff series. And Chris Paul, I think in the middle of the season, he just knows how to pace himself. So I think in a playoff series, he just is going to crank up the defense. He's still a great defender. So I just think he'll crank it and just like really get back into it in the playoffs. And Crowder would be stuck with the KD role. And that's kind of where the problem would come from is just that. And no other team can put anything like that on the floor. And even and like you said, even like Milwaukee barely did it. We kind of gave Holiday those open threes because we didn't think he'd make them, and he made them. So I just don't think that anybody else could like put that on the floor. So I don't think that's a weakness for the Suns. It's just they have two dudes that can get to the rim whenever they want, and I don't think anybody else can say that. Yeah, it. I do want to take a, like a, a tiny victory lap because I did predict. I was talking through the matchups on a show before the Nets game, and I was like. I actually think with KD out, Crowder might get some time on Harden, and he did. And that inch, that look was kind of yeah. interesting to me because typically you don't see Crowder guard like perimeter guys, but 
They just didn't have anybody else that you needed to respect. And with how big Harden is, it's tough to put Chris or even Mikhail on him because he's just going to overpower yeah. you. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Obviously, if KD were to play, things get very different. And just playing the Nets in general, if it ever got to that point in a finals matchup, the the Kyrie thing, like obviously it's it's its own weird story in and of itself, and him not being able to be there for every game screws them royally. Yeah. But it's also gonna it would be such a weird thing to match up like to game plan for for the opposing team because you're changing everything game to game, whether it's home or away. So yeah. <laughs> that's I mean they're they're very much unique. But uh, let me put it to you this way then: just what do you if if I were to just say like what's the number one weakness that the Suns team has, or what worries you the most? What would you say? Um, it's that second unit when book goes out the floor and is not the fourth quarter, Chris Paul's not looking to score and we can go with really long stints without scoring. And that happened in the finals that happened sometimes in the uh, Lakers series. We just went cold when Booker was sitting and that just can't happen. And that's why we talked like the last three weeks about somebody coming off the bench. That's just a scoring threat to get to the line and just get some points off the bench because we do go cold sometimes. And that's when we're trying to force feed Aiton with books not on the floor or CB3 still trying to do the, do the floor general thing and not really waiting, like waiting his time to shoot. And I just think like sometimes we just got to get scoring when book is sitting down. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, it was a huge problem and it was even a problem when he was on the floor at times during the finals that they just didn't yeah. have enough <laughs> other stuff going on to offset that. I mean, obviously the game four, it was kind of the, the biggest example of that. And it's probably not solvable with one piece. Like, I don't know, to me, we've, you know, we talked about all the options on the trade market and all that Eric Gordon being the most prominent one. We talked about him last week, I guess to me, it, one of the, and I think we talked about it with Gordon is like, I don't know if you're solving that problem, but I also don't know if it's enough of a problem that it would cost you a final series because to come back to Milwaukee, what we were just talking about with Drew kind of, I don't want to say getting lucky, but at least exceeding expectations is yeah. I don't think the Suns lost that series. I mean, if you, if you were to make me pick one reason the Suns lost that series, it's because Holiday and I would even say Connaughton, like, shot out of their minds and in a way that they had never really done all season. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, yes, things are decided on the margins a little bit and you want to kind of give yourself the ability to overcome that when things aren't going your way. If a guy does have a hot shooting night or you're not, you know, winning the, on the glass or Aiton gets in foul trouble, the weird little things do happen. But I guess to me, I just wonder like, can you do more to fix the other stuff Rather than, you know, like to me, if you're already getting to the point where the bench scoring is like losing you a series then like you're probably going to lose the series. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's so weird. It's like the, the luxury of having a great team is the problems are so tiny, but it also makes them hard to pick which one you want to try to solve. Yeah, I'm just like we fixed the one glaring one that we always had was the backup big problem. Yeah. Like it was the one thing that we cried about the entire summer and James Jones figured it out like twice a month later. Like, yeah, like he knew, he knew it immediately and he got it done. So I do trust him to see what we see when we go on those long scoring droughts. And I think he knows we need scoring off the bench, especially with campaign, not playing the way he played in the playoffs and Shamit being whatever 
he is right and now. And that's part of why I said, like, I don't know if you can fix it right now is, yes, Gordon would be, like, the the dream. And maybe that maybe that happens, and, and we'll see what would play out with that. But aside from him, you know, like, it's probably going to come back down to can Shamit and Payne just play more like themselves or more like the best version of themselves because that's just what the roster is right now. But I do think like part of the reason I bring this up and I was talking about it a little bit yesterday, just in terms of like the sun's kind of checking the box and all these checkpoint games is, yeah, you know, the switching would have been, a, you know, how to score against switching would have been such a big, another one that we probably would have talked about coming off of last year, whether it was the Clippers series or even at times the Bucks series and, some of those other moments, but I don't really worry about that a ton. I mean, like you were talking about with Bridges cutting, he was also posting up. You have both Bridges yeah. and, and Cam feeling, I mean, incredibly comfortable, it looks like, uh, attacking cl- uh, closeouts and just scoring over the top of guys who are smaller than them. Like, I think that the Suns have figured out enough stuff there um, to not be too worried. They, they're playing faster, which was another problem. Like, they have solved so many problems, so... I don't yeah. know. To me, it kind of feels like it, it's weird to to be as like confident in this team as I am, but I really do think this team's substantially better than last year. Yeah, and you can tell like they're just more comfortable. Cam Johnson is extremely comfortable, but he had a great finals when everybody else didn't. Like I think he just took that over to this season because he was aggressive. Like everybody wanted to wanted him to be all season. Chris Paul was begging him to shoot open shots, and now he's pulling that thing every time he touches it, which I love. And I just think like just him being aggressive and he's like a really good spark off the bench. I'm happy when he comes in the game now. Last year he was uh, cold sometimes and he was like, you can tell he was kind of not confident out there. And I just think that entire playoff series and finals run like made a lot of these dudes kind of grow up fast and we're seeing it a lot this year. Yeah, that was the thing Monty said. I think uh, I want to say post-game – Friday against against the Wolves was, you know, just I think it was about uh, that play where Chris stole the ball from Jaden McDaniels when he kind of hesitated. He picked up his dribble on the baseline and Chris was like, all right, give me that. Or, you know, (laughs) the play where Cam took it coast to coast for the and one layup. And Chris, you could see him kind of like shrugging his shoulders like, what are you doing? And Monty was just asked, like, what do those little moments tell you? And he's like, we've we've seen everything. You know what I mean? Like we, (laughs) we've just, there's not a surprise element to it. And I think that's the other part is like last year, we all talk about as fans and like followers of the team, how much of a surprise and like thrill it kind of was. But I think for the team, it was the same way where they're like, holy crap, like what is even going on? And I think it was like, you're almost like falling over yourself in a way of like kind of figuring it out on the fly. And that's just not there anymore. You know what I mean? Like they, they they (laughs) kind of, they at least have maybe they haven't mastered everything, but they know what's coming and they kind of have a plan for what to do, which not all teams have. Yeah, it's like expect it now. Like you kind of like just know the groove of this team. When we got close to being in the bonus with Chris Paul being on the floor, I called game pretty much with like nine minutes left. I was like, Chris Paul's gonna come in and swipe somebody the second he gets out there, and he's gonna be at the line. And it's the first thing he did. I was like, now we're just gonna live at the line with Chris Paul out there because he knows how to get fouled in the fourth quarter and there's just nothing they can do with being in the bonuses early. And this seems just smart and confident and you can just, we've watched them so much now, you can just see what they're going to do. And these teams kind of can't do anything about it because they had to get smart just as fast as Chris Paul, or he wouldn't have wanted to play with them. And this team is like just way smarter than they would have been had he not game. 
Yeah, I'm so looking forward to the Bucks game next weekend because, or next week, because I, you know, I was gonna say they're not really afraid of anybody, and I don't think they'll be, you know, cowering in fear from Milwaukee. But that's the one real team left that we haven't seen the yeah. Suns stack themselves up against, and Milwaukee's pretty much healthy, so it should be a pretty even battle. Hopefully, Aiton's looking a little bit more comfortable and, and has his conditioning back by that point and, and it can be like a real another again like a measuring stick kind of checkpoint game but uh, let's talk a little bit more about the latest rumors Dario Saric got talked about uh, on a Bleacher Report piece and Justin Holiday's name coming back up via John Gambadoro this week quite a bit on the radio so we'll hit on those names talk a little bit about how that conversation we just had might affect how the sun should affect the deadline uh, approach the deadline but first guys Today's episode of Locked on Suns brought to you by Rock Auto. Look, we all uh, have trouble knowing what's the right part to get for our car. It can be a struggle to even know what kind of car you have, which trim package. Make sure you're getting everything exactly right. They have seemingly like dozens and dozens of types of an individual car at this point. But Rock Auto saves you that time and energy of having to go into a store and ask questions and get screwed and be lied to and all that because you just go to rockauto.com and everything's right there for you. Just type in the car that you have, you scroll down to the part that you need. They tell you, hey, this is gonna this is gonna be the one. Here's how much it's gonna cost. You click purchase and it's at your door within days. It's cheaper than the alternative. It's quicker than the alternative. It's easier than the alternative. So go explore the easy to use website today. Find a solution to your auto parts needs. Rock Auto price is reliably low for every customer. And again, making things smooth and simple rather than the honestly, uh, just embarrassingly bad problems that you can have if you get joked around by uh by, by a dealership i remember my key fob they were going to charge me like 60 bucks for and i just went without i just went without i i literally unlocked my car manually now because i'm like no and rock auto didn't have it so i'm like all right i'm gonna go without that's how much i hate it so go to rockauto.com right now guys see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com Jake Fisher at Bleacher Report, I believe Tuesday, had it that uh, the Suns are pretty open about shopping Dario Saric, it seems like, or at least open to the possibility of a trade there. Understandably, he is probably not going to play this year. He has a pretty decently sized contract that you could use to to get the, the matching to work right. And none of that's a huge surprise, but we haven't talked about it in specifics before. I wasn't really sure how much the Suns were going to want to do something like that, but if they do want to get a more expensive player, he's kind of the number one guy to go to. So does that, does that make you feel Aaron, like they might be looking at a a little bit of a bigger contract? Do you think it's just kind of exploring what they could do with that since they're not going to get anything out of him on the court? Does, Does that, does that report change anything for you? Um, no, we kind of, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Once we, when we were trying to figure out what they were going to do with Bismack, we knew what was happening with Frank. And I kind of realized what, once we got Bismack, that the Sarge or Frank thing was pretty much over. Yeah. And yeah, like, I just think that they want to play small ball sometimes. And his contract is just the perfect one to kind of get rid of right now. And I wish we could keep him like, especially now that we have a backup big so he can play his real position because that was the problem with him. He had to play center, (laughs) and that just was a struggle for him. He was still passing pretty well, and he was getting open looks, but on defense it was just a real nightmare for him having to play backup center like that. 
And I was really looking forward to when James Jones got the backup center position figured out. We could see Sarge in his natural position, but I just don't think now it's with uh, Cam Johnson coming into fruition and the way Mike, uh, Mikael Bridges is playing, I just don't think there's a spot for him anymore on the scene. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, it would have been cool to see him with JaVale out there and like just the idea of like a high-low, you know, Dario throwing lobs to JaVale and some yeah. of the elbow <laughs> stuff. Like that that would have been fun and it would have been a different role for him that I think he might have been able to excel in because they still could have used him as a small ball five depending on who they were playing, but he just was such a key to the versatility that they could have. And, you know, I think to me this... The fact that, you know, we're seeing his name out there and whatever. I mean, on the one hand, you had the idea where they didn't get the um, the hardship exception to be able to go sign a kind of like a replacement for him or get some extra money to be able to do that. So you thought, okay, maybe that means because you have to be able to prove that he's going to miss the whole season to get that. So maybe if they didn't get yeah. it, okay, well, they can't prove he's going to be out. Maybe he'll come back. But the fact that they're exploring trades makes me feel like even if there's some likelihood that he could return or that he will be healthy, I mean, it might just be that it's going to be so far into the season that you can't you can't be dealing with integrating a, a guy off an ACL tear when you're trying yeah. to like, you know win a first round series all of a sudden. So I, I get it yeah. from that perspective. What do you think of of this other idea though? Because so Jalen Smith. I would imagine is, is also still kind of out there and they're having conversations about him that could clear a roster spot, depending on what the trade looks like. If you don't take a player back or, or something, but Ish Wainwright isn't going to be available for the playoffs unless he's converted to a full contract. You can't play two way guys in the playoffs. You talked about them playing small ball more. How big of a deal would it be for you to, can clear up that roster spot because right now it got filled by Bismack Biombo. They had one most of the year. Now they don't. Would that be a priority for yeah. you to clear up room for Wainwright, or is this just a regular season thing that you know probably is not trustworthy? Because I actually don't know where to come down on it. I don't. I, I want to see more. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I want to see more, but um, I. It was like the problem with physicality, and that's going to be the thing in the playoffs. And I think that's how Monty's thinking too. And Wainwright, you just hear people talking about how strong he is and how big he is, and him being able to shoot threes too just helps. And like I like Jalen Smith, but it's just not enough time to have a project going into the playoffs and trying to go on a run. And especially when you need physical bodies that can handle the grind of it, and fouls are getting called less, and people are banging harder. And I just think you would much rather just have a dude like Wainwright in a situation like that. It's so weird with basketball, how like just buying into your role matters so much. Cause like you look at Jalen Smith versus Ish Wainwright and it, I mean, even with the level of disappointment Suns fans might have about sticks, like you look at both of those guys play basketball and you're like, okay, you know, yeah. the, the, the younger guy, you know, sticks is the more talented player. There's no question about it. Yeah. But then, you know, <laughs> you can also like in the next breath be like, no, but actually I also still would want, the less quote unquote talented guy on my team for this and that reason. It's so, it's so weird, yeah. but I think <laughs> I, I probably agree. Like the versatility that Wainwright allows you, even if he's not in your long-term plans or you're not even positive, you would actually play him in the, in the postseason like that. I think you, at least the idea of that is a lot better than the idea of Jalen Smith, which is probably just somebody who's not going to play at all in the playoffs. So I, I probably lean toward the same way as you. Um, and I, I've also said, I think 
you know, whatever we learn from Ish playing center, that tells me we should be wanting to see more of Jay Crowder at center because that seems like it actually could happen and could work depending on yeah. the matchup. Like with the Nets, you could easily imagine a weird lineup where they throw KD at center and they have like Mills, Irving, yeah. Harden, and Harris all out there or something. Like they have that type of maneuvering and the Suns should want to at least explore that. Um, but let's let's go rapid fire real quick to close things out. Another guy who would add to that versatility, Justin Holiday. He's gotten talked a lot about. I don't think I've really hit on him much this year. I feel like Suns fans have been talking about Justin Holiday for half a decade at this point. So I, I, I forget yeah. to, to bring him up. <laughs> I think he would be an amazing fit here. I mean, he's he's a knockdown shooter. He's bigger than you feel like he is. He's like 6'6". He could defend some of those yeah. guards that we were just talking about, make life hard on the Suns. If you could throw Bridges and Holiday at Kyrie and Harden, that makes you feel a lot better, I think. I think he would really play if, if he was here. Yeah, I think that would like work a lot more. And my whole thing was then they have to concede that they – never like should have gotten rid of Tory Craig yeah. because you're pretty much doing the same thing. Like why not just keep Tory Craig if you're going to need the same thing at all-star break. So I think that they should have just kept Tory Craig for less money, I think, and just done that instead. But I do like holiday. Like we should have had him a long time ago and I've always wanted him too. but I just think like, we should have always we should have already had this stuff kind of taken care of yeah. if we were already going to do it because the players love Tory Craig. I loved him during that playoff run and he really like worked and helped, especially when we had him in weird positions like playing center, just like we had Sarge and he was up for it. Yeah, no, I hear you completely. Um, the, the, the Craig thing is so weird because he's definitely making like probably way more money than he's worth, I don't, Indiana just seems to like blow it out of the water. You know, I guess if you feel confident, you can fill that at the end of the season, then like, it's okay to lose him. But he did, I mean, he just fit here so well. And and that's always the big risk. But um, I think we both seem to still feel like the Suns will do something. Uh, Just this roster doesn't feel complete. I don't know what the move will be. I don't know if it'll just be clearing out that roster spot and then adding somebody like Wainwright. Maybe it's clearing a couple roster spots. So you have some buyout market uh flexibility there but we'll know a whole lot more the next time that you and i talk if it's uh the suns play thursday night at home against the bucks so we probably won't record thursday it'll probably be next wednesday again for you and i and uh, they might have made a trade again or or they might have made a trade by then (laughs) so uh it'll it'll be a fun week he is at aaron ed on twitter he is a writer at all caps nba over on the take line youtube channel with Jason Concepcion. Make sure to subscribe, watch, support, all that good stuff. He'll be back next week, and I will be back tomorrow. We got a Hawks game, another national TV game, another TNT game to recap before the end of the week. So enjoy that one, guys, and I'll see you right back here to recap it.